AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm Horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. Hello, listeners. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 40. Woo! Very exciting. This is this is 40 episodes. 40 episodes of I'm Horrified, and I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Oh, I'm going to freak out when we get to 50 episodes, but this is a milestone, too. Should we do something for 50? Should we? Tell us what we should do for 50. Tweet at us. We will, will it be around? For New Year's, I really want to do a drunk episode. Yeah, I feel like we can maybe queue it up. Let's let's take a look at the calendar. Yeah, and we'll see. figure it out. We'll figure is out it if we ten can do weeks to New fun. Year's? I don't think so. It's not. It's like it's less than four. that. Um, <laughs> we do only what we can. We can do as many drunk episodes as we want to. Woo! Woo! Well, anyway, you guys, this is your host Allie Rayner, and this is Sam Buntich. <laughs> Get fucked. I'm just kidding. You're very valuable to this endeavor. Thanks, babe. Um, so we're your hosts. We are. And Sam and Allie Rayner Buntich. Ugh. We aren't married. No, but I would, common I would law. hyphenate with you. I feel like we're common law at this point. We've been living together for seven years. That's true. That's and so common true. law is seven years, right? Yes. Right? I've only it's, heard of common law 10. marriage in Legally Blonde, so. It might technically is be it 10, 10, but I'm not totally sure. In this Puritan state we live in. In Massachusetts. <laughs> you have to be fully wedded before a Puritan god. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, I'm glad you're feeling a little better. I am feeling a little better. Coming I'm out still of your a little illness. Sniffly. But, yeah, I'm really excited because today I'm going to be talking about mass hysteria. Woohoo! What are you going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about mayflies. You told me this, and I was like, is this an actual fly? Like, is it a type of fly, or... Yes. No. Yes, it is? Yeah, okay. it is. This is, this is going to go into the category of, like, things that just make me sad, but no one else. Right. So, so th- that'll be fun, I think. So it's more of a, an emotional... Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Okay. And it's deeply the first day of my period, so right. like, so you're in a you're in a place. Yeah. So listeners, if you're hearing like a, a a small desperate sobbing, right, just keep listening. Go on. Yeah, I'm fine. When I hit day two and like I'm at work, I'm at my desk, day two of my period, and somebody comes over and they're like, "Hey, Ellie, can I borrow your stapler?" And I'm like, "What? Like, what do you need?" <laughs> it's just like every single month, it's the same. I wish there was something I could do about it. Yeah, but we carry on. We keep going and. One thing we don't ever become is hysterical. Oh, oh segue alert! Woo! We haven't done a f- good segue. Everybody, in a long hop time. on your segues. Segue alert. Um, talk to me, Allie. So let's talk about it. Oh my god. Um, so first, I want to say that this topic was suggested in part to me by a listener, and that listener is my dad. Oh my god! So thanks, dad. Um, oh, did Dennis just hear me talk about my period? Now I feel weird. Now you feel. Now you feel <laughs> weird. The things we've said on this podcast. <laughs> In front of God and everyone. But I didn't um, know it's also in front of Dennis. Does your dad not listen to our podcast? Yeah, he does. Okay. John, listen up. <laughs> Keep on it, please. So mass hysteria. Mass hysteria is also known as mass psychological illness or Ooh. MPI. So I said Ooh. MPI a lot and I was like, that's not the right. <laughs> and it is defined as, I'm going to need to take a deep breath for this one. The rapid spread of illness signs and symptoms affecting members of a cohesive group originating from a nervous system disturbance involving excitation, 
loss, or alteration of function, whereby physical complaints that are exhibited unconsciously have no corresponding organic etiology. Okay, you lost me at excitation. I have no idea what any of that means. Yeah, I was with you for a point, up to a point, and then you were like, including excitation. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to my happy place. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I read it. I shut my computer. <laughs> um, I made myself a cup of tea. I came back to it, read it a couple more times. And what I think it means is that all of a sudden, a bunch of people start exhibiting symptoms from their nervous system with no biological cause. Okay. So, a big group of people start exhibiting symptoms. There's no organic reason for it. Okay. So it's like and then in even simpler terms, everyone starts freaking out for no reason. Great. Okay. This is science. Welcome to it. <laughs> Welcome to science, you guys. Take a big old bite of science, you guys, because we're here. We're doing it. We should have a spinoff podcast called, like, Welcome to Science. Welcome to fucking science. Where we talk about, like, deeply intro-level science. Sit down. Learn about planets. There's 12 of them. You've been lied to. My very yeah. educated This mother. reminds me of, at our, like, hippie, fake liberal arts school we went to, Emerson College, you could minor in science. Yeah, all science. All science. Like, all the minor it. is science. Yeah. And any other school would be like, that is nonsense. Like, you can minor in biology <laughs> or chemistry or not science. No, all as science. A, as a concept. So that's absurd. So mass hysteria is never caused by a virus illness, or anything transmitted biologically from one person to another, but it is transmitted from one person to another. Okay. But just not biologically. So this is a psychological phenomenon like groupthink or the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. And it has a couple of telltale signs. So some of those signs are that the symptoms have no plausible organic basis, that they're transient and benign. So I don't really get what that means, but I think it's just like, they're not causing you like to die or yeah, you they're know, not like gonna kill you. bleed or whatever. Yeah. Like you will be fainting, vomiting, but like it's not causing you to expire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um there's rapid onset and rapid recovery. So it comes on quickly and it leaves quickly. Mm-hmm. It's occurring in a segregated group. Um and it has the presence of extraordinary anxiety. It's usually anxiety based. Same. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Frankly. Symptoms are spread via sight, sound, or oral communication. So that's how it spreads, which is a weird word to use because it's not a virus. It's not a physical illness, but it's spread through seeing, hearing, or talking about something. Um, A spread that moves down the age scale, which I found interesting. So it starts with older people or people in the public eye, and then it moves out. To people with less status or younger people, which is very interesting. Um, And also, there is a preponderance of female participants in mass hysteria. Mm. It's almost always mostly women who are victims of this. I just, I love that last one. It's like, (laughs) are ladies freaking the fuck out? You might have MPI in your hands, or it's just the world. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's just the state of the world. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But there are two types of mass hysteria. Mass anxiety hysteria and mass motor hysteria. So, obviously, one deals more with psychological symptoms and one is more physical, and the former is mainly spread through eye contact. So, the things to do with anxiety... Wait, that... What? Doesn't that freak you the fuck out? Yeah. So, it has more to do with looking at each other, like, in a classroom or... Okay. ...in a public space. That's how these symptoms spread, the mass anxiety. So when the symptoms have more to do with psychology and anxiety, it's spread more by looking and observing people. And when it's more of a motor symptom, like 
dizziness, drowsiness, fainting, vomiting, etc., it spreads more slowly. Okay. So, and it's like, who makes these rules? Like, these yeah. all sound so, spe- like, specific and particular. But it's such, it seems like such a bizarro thing. Very bizarre. So the reason why this happens is because of a supposed exposure to one common precipitant. So one thing, there's a thing that sets one person off in believing, and I mean truly believing, that they've fallen ill in some way or that something's happening to them after some kind of genesis or initial cause. So if someone sees, hears, smells something to justify fainting, headaches, body tremors, verbal tics, etc., and then it slowly spreads outside of just them. So, like, one of the outbreaks of this happened in Tennessee in 1998, and it happened because somebody thought that they smelled gas in the building. Uh-huh. And so, there wasn't any gas in the building, mm-hmm. but somebody thought that they smelled gas and started exhibiting symptoms, and then other people in the room were like, oh, I smell gas, and I'm also fainting, etc. Okay. 180 people were like, I'm dying, and science was like, you're not. So, going back to how this affects women more than men, which I found so interesting. Yeah. I read something about that in a Slate article from 2012 by Ruth Graham. She writes, quote, Some scholars have also argued that hysterical episodes allowed women to take a break from daily drudgeries or to rage against patriarchal cultures within safe bounds of demon possessions or poisoning. So, it's like the natural anxiety of womanhood being, like, expressed in this physical, psychological way. In a way that feels allowed. Yeah. If girls can find no outlet for reckless abandon, in other words, they'll create one. Barbara Ehrenreich, Elizabeth Hess, and Gloria Jacobs put it this way in a 1992 essay. Quote, to abandon control, to scream, faint, dash about in mobs, was, in form if not conscious intent, to protest the sexual repressiveness, the rigid double standard of female teen culture. They were writing about Beatlemania, as it turns out, but the description of the wildness that overcomes girls and adolescents is almost identical to much scholarly musing about mass hysteria. So they were just talking about how women would, like, faint and scream and tear their hair out at Beatles concerts, Mm -hmm. but they actually ended up writing about, like, the kind of female presence in mass hysteria, which I think is interesting. Wow, that's so cool. I'm, like, I'm into this theory. Like, this is basically the weight of the patriarchy come to life. I'm Mm -hmm. in. I love it. I'm fine with that. So some of the most common symptoms are headaches, dizziness, nausea, cramping, fainting, hyperventilating, chest pain, and fatigue. And some other symptoms that happen less frequently are vomiting, numbness or paralysis, diarrhea, vision loss, and rashes. So I think that the most fascinating thing for me about this is that you can't fake a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the victims of this end up being accused of faking things for attention, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of them are women. Yeah, It's like, okay, you're doing this for attention, you're doing it because your friends are all doing it, you're trying to pull one over. But in these cases, no one is actually faking anything. You can't fake vomiting. Like, <laughs> you don't you're, get to You're f- physically f- vomiting. Um, if I could fake vomiting, like, I would have never gone to a PE class in middle school or high school. I would have just vomited my way out of it. But yeah, it's a subconscious, it's like, it seems like a big Lifetime movie-style conspiracy mm-hmm. for women to be, like, tricksy and evil, but it's not conscious. It's a subconscious attack on the brain supported by a reflex of the nervous system. Interesting. Which is just bananas. It is. So another thing that's fascinating about this is that As symptoms are progressing, they're made worse by media coverage or attempts to treat the symptoms. So, like, the more people validate it, Mm -hmm. and this is, like, if you were faking it, (laughs) it's the same. Like, the more people validate it, the worse and more widespread the symptoms become. 
Um, so it's like, what do you do? Basically nothing. You kind of just have to ignore it until it goes away. Like, in all of these situations, Ugh. once people are like, just put them in a room to chill out <laughs> for a second, usually the symptoms die down. And, like, that totally sucks because in any other situation, if women are freaking out about something and also convulsing wildly, it's rude to ignore them. Yeah. You know, don't ignore them unless it's mass hysteria and you're absolutely sure. I feel like misogynists are, like now given free reign by what I'm saying to say, like, to a screaming woman, like, just shove her in the closet and be like, yeah, pipe down. It'll be fine. I know. <laughs> this is mass hysteria. Uh, and the word, like, hysteria when it comes to women, like, was used for so long. Yeah, it's got a really bad connotation. Yeah. But this is a very specific psychological phenomenon. Yeah, I wonder if that's why, like, in some texts they're starting to call it MPI. Like, they're trying to make it sound yeah. more real. Destigmatize and less, like, it. These women are cray. Yeah, and it's less, like, everyone's freaking out. And it also happens a lot in adolescent females, so... There's this kind of, like, oh, everyone's decided to be a drama queen at the same time. And it's like, no, there's an actual psychological backing to this. Yeah. Which I find interesting. Oh my god, is this what the Salem witch trials were? Yes, exactly. Ah! So now what I'd like to do is take you on a few journeys through a few of the cases of documented mass hysteria. Woo! And I will be going historical order from oldest to newest, both out of preference and because it's the way that Wikipedia did it. Fair. So, I mostly took most of these from Wikipedia. Wikipedia did it first. That's true of every article that we talk about. I mean, they researched it. Yeah. So, They have sources. So, those are our sources now. So, the first one might be my absolute favorite. In the Middle Ages, there was a French convent of nuns (laughs) who all of a sudden started meowing like cats. (laughs) So, like, one nun started meowing and then the other nuns joined her and it became like, a phenomenon in the town that they lived in. Like, everyone in the town was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I would be like that, too, if my religious uh, people just started meowing. But So then the the police threatened to whip them if they didn't stop meowing. (laughs) So then they did stop. No, I'm begging you to say that that sentence one more time. I will not. Um... (laughs) So, like, but the thing, that makes me kind of upset. It's Let like, them meow. Who cares? They're, it's their convent. Like, leave yeah. them alone. Let them meow where they live. Yeah, I just, like, what if they're just doing an expressive acting exercise? Yeah. Who cares? They're staring deeply into each other's eyes, and they say meow, but then when they respond, it really has to be a response, but it's still meow. They're literally hurting no one. <laughs> so, I'm over it. So, also, in the 15th century, a German nunnery had an outbreak of nuns biting people, which, that is hurting somebody, so stop that. Ugh. But that's, if that's not what the feminists want. I know. So, is. that spread as far as the Netherlands. That was, like, a phenomenon that spread. Nuns biting until, people? Yeah, before they stopped it. Were they vampire nuns? I don't mean to be alarmist, but is it possible that you know, one vampire got into a convent and things just escalated wildly? I'm no scientist, but I feel confident to say yes. Ugh. Here's another favorite of mine. The Dancing Plague of 1518. Oh. Yep. Okay. It's exactly what it sounds like. In July <laughs> of 1518, in Strasbourg, which was at the time part of the Holy Roman Empire, a woman named Mrs. Trophia <laughs> danced fervently in the streets for between four and six days. Mood. I know. So as History.com recounts it, quote, before long, some three dozen other Strasbourgeois, which is what they called Strasbourgians, Strasbourgeois, had joined in. By August, the dancing epidemic had claimed as many as 400 victims. With no other explanation for the phenomenon, local physicians blamed it on hot blood and suggested, (laughs) suggested the afflicted simply gyrate the fever away. 
That sounds like the plot of a jazz song. It does, like, yeah. My girl's got hot blood <laughs> dancing. But they away. basically said that. So a stage was construction, constructed, professional dancers were brought in, the town hired a band, like, to provide music. <laughs> so nice music. of them, sort of. Yeah, but eventually, like, it didn't wear itself out, and dancers started collapsing from exhaustion. That makes sense. And some died from heart attacks and, like, strokes. Oof. Yeah, and it wasn't until September when the last of the dancers were taken to a mountaintop <laughs> to, like, pray for absolution. And that worked. I I don't know. <laughs> nobody went with them. Or they're just <laughs> so nobody's still sure. dancing up there. So then there's the Irish fright of 1688. This is not as I would have assumed a bunch of people in Ireland being scared of something all at once. That's also what I assumed. But rather people in England and Wales reporting sights of marauding Irish people, like <laughs> burning homes to the ground, and like everyone at once was saying like, "Oh, this is happening." And I don't think that this is mass hysteria. I think this is just prejudice against the Irish. Yeah, this might just be that. This might just be people lying, which is a bummer. But I guess any of these could be. That's the thing. Yeah. So then in the 1690s, of course, we have the Salem witchcraft trials. I will not go into this because at some point I do want to cover this in detail. But basically, the entire plot of the Crucible really did happen mm-hmm. in real life. Like, there was a group of girls who started freaking the fuck out. Yeah. If you want to see Winona Ryder tell that story live, you watch the movie version. <laughs> but it's like a classic yeah. open and shut case in mass hysteria. There's a really cool new podcast that's out by um uh, the guy who does lore, Aaron Menke. Oh, I love lore. Um, and it's called Unobscured, and it's about the Salem Witch Trials. Bitch. So, love it. It's like six episodes in. I'm enjoying it. Go and listen. It's wild. Fab. But so is this story. Tell me more. This, I'm not going to tell you any more about that. Well, I mean, um, like, more mass hysteria. A different one. Yeah. I will. Give me another. Here's another. In 1938 in Halifax, England, reports were going around of a slasher who wore bright buckled shoes and carried a mallet to, like, kill people with. I'm hearing that it's the hash-slinging slasher. Me too, the Halifax slasher. The <laughs> hash-slinging slasher. I agree. And if you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sorry for you. So Scotland Yard was called in and everyone was, like, Flipping out, because they had an actual slasher a couple of years prior. Oof. So, people were on slasher alert. <laughs> and there were, like, community task forces, like, roaming the streets to try to keep everyone safe. Um, but then the first victim of the Halifax slasher came forward and said that he had lied for attention. <laughs> and then all the other victims were like, oh, yeah, we also did. <laughs> so, the Halifax Courier, which was the newspaper at the time, printed this the next day. Quote, carry on, Halifax. The slasher scare is over. The theory that a half-crazed, wild-eyed man has been wandering around attacking helpless women in dark streets is exploded. There never was, nor is there likely to be, any real danger to the general public. There is no doubt that following certain happenings, public feeling has grown, and that many small incidents have been magnified in the public mind until a real state of alarm was caused. This assurance that there is no real cause for alarm, in short... No properly authenticated wholesale attacks by a person such as the bogeyman, known as the slasher, should allay the public fear. And that's a pretty good description of mass hysteria. Like, there you go. You know, it's a small incident that's as magnified in the public mind into a state of alarm. Like, yeah, you're totally right. So then in 1962, in what was formerly known as Tanganyika, which is now Tanzania, there was an outbreak of laughter at girls in a school in a small village. And so... It started with a few girls, 
And then it kind of spread throughout the entire school. Like, over a hundred students were just laughing from anything from a few hours to a few weeks. Wow. And the issue was so pervasive that the school had to close. Oh my god. And send the students home. Because they were like, they're just laughing all day. Like, what we are we supposed to do? can't while they laugh like this. But what happened was that the parents sent them to other schools in the village, and then those schools got, like, oh, infected. No. And everyone was laughing. Yeah, and when all was said and done, 14 schools and, like, almost a 1,000 people were affected by this. Oh, my God. Before it died out. Crazy. You know, like, one person told a funny joke and it accidentally kicked that off? That's, like, my dream. <laughs> that I say something so funny that it ruins people's lives. <laughs> it was the dream that started this podcast. Amen. And we're still working on it. I know. We still want it. We want to ruin you, is what uh, we're saying. The dream. So the West Bank fainting epidemic is actually a really, really interesting one. So in 1983, which was the, I mean, it's kind of always been, the the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is horrifying, but we're not probably going to talk about it (laughs) because there's really nothing funny about it. Um, So in 1983, a lot was happening with that. Um, But this also kind of was happening in the background. Almost a thousand Palestinian girls and a small number of female um, soldiers in the IDF complained of nausea all at the same time. So now, naturally, there's a lot of tension between Palestinian citizens and IDF. So the phenomenon kind of manifested itself in two different ways. Palestinians accused the IDF of attempting to sterilize Palestinian women with gas. So they were saying this is a symptom of some kind of nerve gas. Yeah, and this some is kind of attack. You know, biological warfare. And the IDF basically accused Palestinian militants of the same thing. Like, oh, you're trying to use toxic warfare on us. Mm-hmm. And in the end, medical officials, like, on both sides said there might have been some gas that was affecting certain amounts of people, but 80% of the people were having psychosomatic symptoms. Wow. So it's just, like, it was kind of triggered on also by all of the tension between Mm -hmm. those two groups at the time, which was just, it's just, like, a really interesting political moment. Yeah. That was colored by mass hysteria. This is another cool one. In May of 2016... A mass hysteria broke out in Portugal. A popular Portuguese soap opera, Morangos Com Acusar, which translates to strawberries with sugar, had a plot line where a strange infection with, like, a rash and dizziness broke out in a high school. And then 300 high schools in Portugal, like, had outbreaks (gasps) of this illness. Oh, my God. Psychosomatically. Because they saw it on TV. Because it was, like, the Portuguese Degrassi. It was so popular. Um, so it was called, like, the Morangos Comacusar virus. Oh like, because they were like, we caused a virus. And you know that the director was like, what? <laughs> so the last one is the one that my dad told me about initially, which occurred in Leroy, New York in 2011. That's so recently. Yeah, it's really recently. And because of when it happened, you know, in the mid-2000s rise of social media, it got a great deal of media attention. Which, as I said before, worsens the conditions in the small upstate New York town. And it wasn't a large outbreak, but it was a very publicized outbreak. Mm-hmm. So there was a group of teenagers that grew from, like, a few to about 12, I think it was maybe 12 girls and one boy, mm-hmm. who had symptoms in line with Tourette's. So, like, physical and verbal tics and tremors that were manifesting very similar to Tourette's syndrome, but... Obviously, that's not something you catch, so it was very strange. And many of the students and parents affected took to social media to document what was happening to their children and demand answers from the school and from the town, Um, and they were sort of, like, 
clearly there's something in the water, like, there's something in the environment, yeah. like, there's something they're not telling us, this is a conspiracy theory, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was very much like the modern day crucible. Like, there was all this stuff being thrown around of, like, oh, wow. it's drugs, oh, it's whatever, you know? And it became, it had national attention. It was making national headlines. So what happened was that one girl had Tourette syndrome. Uh-huh. And the rest were diagnosed eventually with conversion disorder, which is a disorder that is similar to mass hysteria, so it spreads like mass hysteria, but it deals more with, like, converting a trigger or trauma into physical symptoms. So it's, like, some... And it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a, you know, emotionally distressing trigger, but something triggers you into converting Mm -hmm. what you're seeing into physical symptoms. Interesting. I didn't really research it that much, but basically they were all taking that in as her having symptoms of something from something, like the gas leak, like yeah. the environmental, when, you know, how it always starts, mm-hmm. and taking on those symptoms as their own. Yeah. And again, in a very real way, like, it wasn't coming from a biological cause, like this one girl's actual Tourette syndrome was, that was coming from a biological cause, but it was still being caused without their control. Yeah. And so, the, when the girls were eventually advised to stay away from the media, mm-hmm. stop watching these news stories about it, stop spending time with each other for a period of time, almost all of their symptoms died down. That's amazing. And everyone was like, what happened? Like, it was just crazy because there wasn't as much of a national conversation going on about, you know, is this mass hysteria? People assumed that something they were wrong. sick, like yeah. there was a virus or something. And so, yeah... Eventually, the symptoms died down. There were no environmental causes found, obviously. And it was this big mystery until people were like, oh, this is clearly a case of mass hysteria. So yeah, it's a wild ride, and it's been happening for literal centuries. And I think it's a more specific, fascinating, and horrifying example of all social phenomenons. Because it's like, basically, as we've learned from all of my psychology segments, Mm -hmm. you cannot trust yourself And you're not safe even in the confines of your own mind. I know. And it's just like, we are all weak and at the constant mercy of our weakness. (laughs) Ow. At the end. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Uh. Um... So that's fun, right? That's That's mass hysteria. That is wild. Wilds. That is wild. Isn't it? I can't believe people died from dancing too much. That one's... I mean, it's so funny. (laughs) It is. Dance, dance, dance till you dance. That was my first thought, too. Sincerely, they did. Oh, my God. But, I mean, it didn't happen in, like, the 1980s. It would be sad if that happened then. Yeah. But it happened in, like, the 1500s. Yeah. So. But, again, I always think about the person being like, oh, yeah, well, my, like, my mom passed away. Oh, really? How? Um, Uh, she got in Philadelphia. Do you remember that thing that happened in Pittsburgh like 10 years ago (laughs) with the dancing? Oh, yeah, I saw that on CNN. Yeah, that was she was a victim. (laughs) Yeah, that was so. If it was that, I would feel worse about making fun of it. But oh my god, I can't imagine. Oh my god. Well, thank you for teaching me about that. Of course. Now you can, that's a new thing to be scared of. Oh, good. I do. It is amazing. Like, like, I don't have clinical anxiety, but I am an anxious human person. I think you have clinical anxiety. I might. I have, I'm, I'm not diagnosed, but I might have it. Who knows? But like, I can definitely feel like if I am especially anxious about something, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my stomach hurts. Like my, mm-hmm. like arm hurts. Like I get, I feel other symptoms and it's just amazing what you're, you know, yeah, it's craziest thing. The, the wildest thing that would never happen. But it's just wild. Like how much control your brain has 
over your physical body. Like, it really, really does. Well, I mean, even as someone, like, I have, you know, panic attacks, and sometimes I'll just be, like, afterwards be like, I can't believe my brain made me do that. Like, freak out so bad and feel like I can't breathe. And it's just something that once you have kind of control over it and realize, oh, this is just something my body does. It's not my fault. There's nothing shameful about it, et cetera, which obviously there isn't. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, that is crazy. (laughs) That's just crazy that my brain can make me do something. Yeah, it's so That I don't choose to do. And, And then on the smaller scale, it's like, well, it does that all the time. You know, maybe I don't want to eat a cheeseburger, but then my brain is like, you should go eat a cheeseburger. And I'm like, yeah, I probably should. And it's like, that's just poor impulse control. But your brain said it wanted something and you got it. So yeah, that's fair. We're just all so at the mercy brains. of our robot brains. I always think about that when I have like ice cream and I scoop it up. And then as if it is soup, I blow on it. And what? I think I do that a lot. And you I do? I've read the other people do that. And I, and I think it's your brain being like, wow. This is very temperature. I know what to do. What? <laughs> you just, like, you're like, yes, brain, you're very cold. It's very cold. And your brain's like, here's what I yeah. do if it's too temperature. And like, <laughs> I don't think that's anything clinical. I think you're just very weird. <laughs> no, but I just mean like, like if your brain's you're in so a pattern, right. yeah. if your brain is thinking like, this is temperature, you blow on it. Like yeah. you just fucking blow on it. Yeah. Like, you don't ask questions. You don't ask questions. You just man. do it. Oh man. Brains are so weird. They're so weird. Thank you for teaching me about it, but I hate it. You're welcome, and I'm sorry. Every time you do a psychology story, I always leave it like, huh, okay, cool. <laughs> Great. Something for me to be worried about. <laughs> so tell me what mayflies are, because I don't know still. Okay, so, like, you know how sometimes weird stuff can make you sad? Let's talk about mayflies. I feel like this is going to be so benign, but you're just going to be like, <laughs> so the thing is that they, do they have, like, a tiny life? Yeah, so, so mayflies. Tell me about it. You okay. tell me. Bring so mayflies are aquatic insects. That are found all over the world, anywhere what? that's like a like a, a cool aquatic environment. So like there are a lot in like the United States, Canada, England, places with similar climates to that. Got it. Um, and they are notable for two things. One is that they have been around since the dinosaurs, which is very cool. That's always cool. And two is that they only live as an adult for one day. Oh, which just makes me sad. So. <laughs> Aww. So this is what mayflies look like. They're not cute. I mean, they're just bugs. Yeah, they look like a little, um, they got a little ca- caterpillar booty. Yeah. And a little dragonfly wing. Yeah. They're not ugly. No, they're just bugs. But they have little fly eyeballs, which they I do, don't like. which are less cute. The big bulbous eyeballs. So, like, like I said, it is the first day of my period, but mayflies make me so sad. Because, like, they are engineered, like, perfectly to do their job. And you know that because they've been around since the dinosaurs. Yeah. So, like, they have not adapted at all. They're, They're doing perfect. Evolutionary masterpieces. They're doing amazing, but they only live for one day. And that's why they're doing amazing. It feels oh, no. so deep to me. Oh. Um, so, like I said, they've been around forever. There are mayflies literally, like, frozen in amber from the age of the dinosaur. That's cool. And scientists look at them and they're like, oh, that's a mayfly. Like, they still look like that. Wow. There's, like, they see two differences and they're like, oh, interesting that this species of mayfly died out, but this one's still here and they're the same. Like, it's bizarro. Um, The second coolest thing about mayflies is that some people call them Canadian soldiers, which I just find funny. Ooh, that is funny. I don't know why they call them that. Whimsical. I know. So let's talk about the mayfly's life cycle. So mayfly eggs grow in water, and then when they're hatched, they're called nymphs, like a wood nymph or something. Oh, Which is kind of cute. 
Um, and they are just, like, little bugs who live in the water. Unlike an adult mayfly, like, nymphs live for up to two years, and they have, like, little weird gills, and they're just, like, these little weird fish bugs eating and growing. Like, imagine elementary school, but elementary school is, like, the majority of your life. That's what this is. Sounds dope. I hate being an adult. <laughs> well, mayflies don't have to worry about I have about to, that. like, pay for heat now. It's total bullshit. And if I had known that <laughs> at, in preschool... When somebody was, like, bringing me crackers all the time and I got to nap whenever I wanted. That's fair. I wouldn't have been such a bitch about it, you know, as a small child. That's fair. But, like, eventually, though, it's time to grow up, right? Ouch. So, like... I'm feeling it. When it is time for the nymphs to emerge from the water, they make their way to the surface and they pull themselves free of what is called their nymphal shuck, but just, like, what is basically their baby skin. Yikes. And then they emerge as stage two, which is called a sub-imago. And, oh, and mayflies are really interesting because they have, like, three stages of development. Most bugs only have two. So a sub-imago is the stage between a little nymph and an adult mayfly. And so they're duller in color than an adult mayfly. And they have wings now, but they're, like, not, they're fringed with these teeny hairs. And their eyes, legs, and genitalia are not fully developed. And they're generally not good at flying. They have no color patterns that are used to attract mates. And once they, like, get out of the water, they just, like, go into the shrubbery by the side of the water and, like, hide. So they're, like, dumb teenagers who don't want their photo taken. Yeah, they're ugly and shy. This is middle school. Yeah. (laughs) They're just standing like, Mom, I'm embarrassed. Like, don't. They're like, put your hair out of your face, honey. (laughs) No, I like it that way. Don't. Mom. Mom. so embarrassing. Mom. Do they have moms? You'll see. What? Oh. So it varies species to species how long the sub-imago form will last. Sometimes it's just, like, a few minutes, and sometimes it's, like, one to two days. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the sub-imago molts one more time to become a full adult imago or adult mayfly. So now our mayfly is grown up, and they're so hot now. They're in, like, peak <laughs> mayfly condition. Sexy. Um, and also, this is wild, at this point, they do not have a functioning mouth. Do you want to know why? Why? Because once they're adults, they are living to fuck, and once they do that, they're just gonna die. Are you kidding me? So they literally don't have a mouth! I'm not kidding you! (gasps) Adult mayflies don't have a mouth because they're never gonna eat, they're just gonna fuck. Oh my god. (laughs) It's, um, it's like, it's bleak to me, like, sex is good, but is it better than eating? I don't know. It reminds me of, and I this don't is know, Al. this is a real deep cut, but there is a Harlan Ellison short story, <laughs> which is like a body horror cornerstone of literature called "I Have No Mouth But I Must Scream," which is very upsetting. Which I should maybe cover. I would just read the whole thing. Me would yeah. upset you, um, but it's like basically. Can I take a quick tangent to explain yeah. how this is almost the same? No, please do. Um, it's like. All of humanity has been wiped out, and it's, like, there's a super computer who's, like, angry at humanity for creating it, but not allowing it to be human. Uh. So there's, like, four humans left, but they're all, like, fucked up, because it's, you know, the end of humanity. And they're trying to kill the robot, but the robot keeps torturing them by, like, giving them enough food, like, disgusting food to eat to just keep them alive. Oh, no! So then one of the guys realizes, like, all right, the only way we're gonna get out of this is in death, so we gotta just kill ourselves. And so they manage to kill, like, he kills, like, three of them, mm-hmm. and then the computer's like, no, I'm not gonna let you kill yourself, because then you'll be out of suffering. So he turns the last character, the robot turns the last character into, like, 
an amorphous blob <gasps> that can't hurt itself because it's too blobby. Oh my god. And it doesn't have a mouth or eyes or ears or any anything. It doesn't have any senses. Ah. And so the last line of it is, I have no mouth, but I must scream. Oh my god. So that makes me think of this mayfly. Yeah. Except it's like, I have no mouth, so I must bone down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like, here's what they do. So they're, so they emerge as these sexy, sexy adult mayflies. The males then swarm around a body of water, maybe the one they were born in just, like, a day ago, and they- It's like Mary Shelley fucking on her grandmother, on her mom's grave. <laughs> it's almost exactly like that. Wow, cool. So they rhythmically flap their wings in, like, a mating dance. Hot. And then the females fly in, like, under the swarm of males so they can find a new boyfriend. And then I'm going to now quote directly from freshwaterblog.net because that I exist. Yes. Because I could not make it bleaker than this like nature website makes it. Please give me it. Quote. This is hurting you. This makes me sad. The male grabs a passing female with its elongated front legs. Oh, that's another fun fact is that the own they all all these bugs have legs. But they're all non-functioning except the male's front legs. So it can grab on. Yeah. But, like, the rest of, like, they're never going to stand. Doesn't oh. matter. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the male grabs a passing female with its elongated front legs and the pair mate in flight. That's nice. After copulation, the male releases the female. I hate the word copulation. Which then descends to the surface of the water where she lays her eggs. Once mated, she will fall, spent, onto the water surface to lie motionless with her wings flat on the surface, where fish pick them off at their leisure. What the fuck? The male fly rarely returns to the water, but instead, he goes off to die on the nearby land. They can't even die together. That was- I- <laughs> Look at my- Read this sentence. <laughs> they can't even cuddle into oblivion, is what you wrote. <laughs> oh my god. They I love how you're upset that these, these two insects can't cuddle. Because, like, oh, they lived Sam. their whole life, like, under the water, like, just growing, waiting for this day. You're crying right now. They become adults. They find each other, you They get know? to make love for the first time. <laughs> yeah. They, they find each other, the whole purpose of their biology, like, they've done it, and then they go their separate ways. To die. And sh- she lays her eggs and then just flops the fuck over to be eaten at a fish's ledger, and then he's just like, I won't also go die in the water where I was born. I'll just fly off and die on the land. I'm so sorry, Sam, that you had to go through this. I am very sad. I'm sad now. That's so, so, it's so bleak. It's so bleak. Like, that's it. That's mayflies. That's the whole story. I don't have any other paragraphs to talk to you guys about. They just Yeah, the Google Doc's empty now. And they die, and they've been doing it since the dinosaurs, and they're gonna keep doing it. I'm horrified. It makes me upset. Oh my god, that's terrifying. That's upsetting. I'm sad. I'm sad for them. I just, yeah, I do also wish it would be so much easier and more cathartic for me to know that they died together. Yes, that's you nailed it. Like, I nailed it. I get part. it. No, I get it. It just makes me so sad. And then, like, that's the other thing. So, like, then when the little nymphs um hatch underwater, like their mom and dad are long fucking dead. Yeah, they're dead, and they got divorced right before they, <laughs> they died. Got divorced right before they both oh, died. Oh, that's so da- That's so sad. And I know I'm like. 
personifying these mayflies that have been around since the dinosaurs. Like, I know they don't have the range of emotions that human beings have. I just, we don't know, we don't know that, we don't know anything. But we also don't know that, exactly. We don't know anything. People are like, oh, well, like, you know, a, a insect can't feel pain. And it's like, none of that's true. None of that's, we don't know. We don't know. They could be smarter than us. We don't know this. We don't know. Huh. It's like Whoville. They're Who's. Yeah, and I'm Horton. And you're just weeping over the murder of all the Who's. Big, sad elephant. Hey, man. That ain't a mood. I just want to eat pasta and go to bed. (laughs) This reminds me of another thing that I saw. I just have so many references today. Yeah, please. There was an HBO series called uh, The Animals. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was really funny. It was like very vulgar. Oh, but I, I heard really about loved this. it. I think I thought it was very funny. Um, and one of the so all the episodes have like different animals just in mm-hmm. funny situations. Yeah, I don't think it got renewed for another season. But one of them is a mayfly, ah. and it's got it's it's. I don't think it's as accurate to this biological cycle, but it's just it's whole day of living. <laughs> but it's like you know kicking a ball around with his dad and then later when it's confronting its dad about like the childhood trauma <laughs> of not being loved enough <laughs> but it's all in 24 hours i love that um and it's very like a stephen king novel wow it was very cute i liked it this also when i was doing this i was thinking about when i was talking about the sub imago stage when they're mm-hmm. just like embarrassing tweens i was thinking about the netflix tv show big mouth which i finally started oh yeah you started it yeah <gasps> i've been telling you to start it for Days, weeks. I know, and it was, and it's very good. I like it a lot. It's very I funny. love the hormone monstrous played by Maya Rudolph. Oh, she's the best part. She's straight the best. She's part. amazing. She and Missy, who is played by Jenny Slate, are my yeah. two favorite characters. Have you encountered Kristen Wiig, who plays um, Jenny's vagina? Yes, I love her too. I wish she there was more of her. Great. She doesn't come back that often. But uh, I wish she would come back. Yeah, you know. it's very good. Um, it's funny to identify all the characters that Nick Kroll plays. He it's plays amazing. like ninety percent of He's them. He's pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, but it's very good. It talks about puberty. Um. I love it. I hate the pillow. That's my least favorite character. That's stupid. Most of Jay's things are stupid, and all of, um, Coach Coach Steve Steve is so dumb. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about that show when I was researching these bleak AF This is absolutely sad. You get it, right? Oh, I get it. Okay. Totally get it. I know it's, like, a little silly. No, shut up. If anyone thinks this is silly, unsub right now. Don't do that. We need you. We need you. Also, um, buy stuff with our Adam and Eve discount. Yeah. <laughs> we if, need you. Don't unsub. Tell your if, friends. <laughs> if you're a mayfly and it's your one day to fuck, you might yeah. as well fuck professional. Go to adamandeve.com. We don't care if you troll us. We just want you to Offer code horror. And then you can buy a sex toy that a mayfly will never have time to use. Oh, Sam. We gotta go. We gotta give her- We gotta get her under a blanket. Um, but you know what? Yes. Uh, you guys all can have sex and not die afterwards. <laughs> I hope that. I want so, that for all of you. Yeah, let's all just cling to that. Yeah. So, so you guys go do that. You guys do that. <laughs> Enjoy being able to, like, eat with your workable mouths and... Call your mom if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, Appreciate amen. that she's not floating in the water somewhere. <laughs> for the fish to pick off her wings at their leisure. That was the line that killed me. And yeah, and so while you do that, we hope you stay horrified. (laughs) Stay horrified.